Hello everyone and welcome back to season two, episode four of the Thrive Physiotherapy Podcast with myself, Matt McDermott. Me, Liam Beale. Today we have a professional footballer on the podcast. He has been at clubs including Arsenal, Aston Villa and Colchester United as well as many others which we'll let him talk more about. Really good to get another ex or current player athlete on, as we spoke to Alex Tudor last series. Really good to get the thoughts of athletes, um, and we're hoping you really enjoy this one too. Gives us great pleasure to welcome Lewis Kinsella to the podcast. Lewis is an ex Arsenal, Aston Villa, Luton, Kidderminster, Colchester United, and current Aldershot Town player. Uh, Lewis had an interesting history, which hopefully we can discuss a little bit as the chat goes on. But first, just say welcome to the podcast, Lewis. Thanks for joining us. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me on. Oh, pleasure to be on. A lot of. Yeah, yeah. It'll be um, it'll be interesting to get to get to know uh, your story a little bit better and um, ask you a few few questions we usually ask. We've had a few um, players or athletes on the pod before, so we'll um, be interested to see how it contrasts with those. I'll let Matt dive in, but. Yeah, I'll let you um, introduce yourself a little bit better than my uh, just listing off your, your clubs, if that's all right, if you take us through yeah. your sort of playing injury career a little bit. Yeah, no worries. So, um, so basically, I was probably 16, and that was my first proper problem. Um, I've had Severs and Oscars as a kid, um, yeah. but I wouldn't say it's that serious. But uh, my first problem was when I was 16, I had a hip impingement. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to see a guy in Coventry, and he basically thought that... Um, the doing rehab would fix the problem um if that didn't work then potentially keyhole and then if that didn't work then potentially um realigning my hips which um when i went to villa at um 16 after arsenal um they they put me through an intense rehab program to strengthen my glutes my core um, and my adductors and thankfully i didn't have to have the the keyhole um and then i had a few quad issues and hamstring issues growing up through the youth teams uh, not nothing too major a couple of weeks here and there yeah. um, I had a severe dead leg against Marseille in a uh, in a in a what was it what was the game sorry the next gen series yeah, um, yeah and I was out for a month with that um, and I was physically sick out the side of my bed the morning after the game where it was really? that sore and throbbing um, and then I've ruptured both ankles ATFLs uh, left and right, left being at Villa um, and didn't require surgery. It was a grade, even though it was a grade three, I think, maybe grade two. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they, they rehabbed it back and I was um, three months. And then when I went to Colchester, I redone my ankle, my right side, and I had the ATFL surgery. And that put me out for five months, unfortunately. Um, and then being at all the shot, I have torn my medial ligament one, two, three times um, on my right knee. Had surgery in October, and I've also broken my cheekbone. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So just, just I've had a few in. injuries over over the last ten years. Um, yeah. Nothing really too severe, apart from the ankle surgery and this MCL surgery. Yeah. How's the How's the recovery going for with surgery in October? Yeah, it's good. I'm glad that I had the the Lars ligaments put in, so the the reconstruction, so yeah, which is ninety percent chance of it not happening again, which is brilliant. Um, yeah. I'm happy that's 
to be on the road to recovery now. I think I've got about 10 weeks left, 12 weeks left. Um, and hopefully I can be back playing and that's the end of the MCL injuries because it's tough. Um, yeah, definitely. Especially being out since February. Um, is that is that the MCL has been been all since February, the three? Is that a, is that a run up from there, Lee and C off in October? Yeah, so I did the um, I did the MCL originally, and then come back and played fifty games, yeah. and then I did the MCL again. Um, in sorry, I did my MCL in yeah February. Yeah. Come back, um, was fit, and then played a whole season up until February again, and did exactly yeah. the same injury. Mm. Um, got got fit, and then redone it again in September, um, okay. and then obviously they decided to have the operation. In yeah. October, so it's been a year of, of hell, really. Yeah, no, not good. Well, definitely fingers crossed. Obviously, like you say, ten weeks time, and hopefully a better twenty twenty one for you, and and just in general. Um, not been there, not been the greatest year, is it? But even more so for yourself. No. Fingers crossed on that. Um, plenty of experience with with physios and injuries there, obviously, which is which is part of the reason we wanted to get you on and chat just about those experiences a little bit more so Matt's gonna just fire a few questions your way if that's okay and then we'll yeah, um, no dig a little deeper cheers yeah pa perfect um thanks for your time this evening and, and thanks for sharing your your history there um really really interesting and sort of really positive to hear the sort of recovery from the MCL in October the surgery is going sort of quite well so far and hopefully we can sort of unpick that a little bit more uh, later on I think yeah. so we've got a few few sort of key questions uh, we ask that sort of hopefully help our, our our listeners sort of change their careers, sort of just starting out uh, in in the sporting industry. First question is is a really tough one, but is there any advice uh, that you'd give yourself relating to your sporting career, or anything that you would have done differently in your sporting career if you could? Um, I think obviously there's loads of lessons to be learned. The the older you get playing football and being in that environment um I wouldn't say I'd like to say I would have wish I'd I'd done a bit more um spent more time doing rehab and recovery and stuff like that um I think I spent a lot of time trying to become a better footballer technically and didn't really focus on the the mental side and the and the um physical side as much I was more wanting to be fitter uh, more wanting to be a better player than than actually looking after my body, but if you if you can't look after your body, then you can't do your technical stuff. So um, yeah, that's probably just as important. I think it's, it's it's a tough balance to get right, isn't it? Um, if you sort of dedicate too much time to the sort of conditioning, the rehab, and the prehab, there's only so much time you have in your weekly schedules. So that time sort of has to come from the technical work, and it's it's it very much is a sort of balancing act that there's no there's no winning formula for so I guess you sort of you learn as you say through through your career uh, and, and I guess you learn from your sort of uh, fellow players and, and and the other advice out there but I, I definitely don't think it's sort of an easy an easy thing to get right first off the bat. No no I completely agree I think now it's taken me to the age of 26 to to know exactly what's good and what's bad for my body and um, how to build a program around my game um, and to make myself better because obviously you want to be on that pitch. So I, I have recovery methods that 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 help every every after every training session, after every game, a prehab session, nutrition, everything. I think that's over 
probably 10 years of experience that's made me get to that level. And I sort of imagine uh, sort of over those 10 years and sort of over the, the sort of clubs you've been with previously, you've had um, had contact with a few different sort of medical teams and, and physios. Um, what, what sort of attributes have the best physios you work with uh, displayed? And so what, what key skills uh, would you look for uh, in a physio? And you, you don't have to name any names, uh, just no, keep, keep it in general. Well, I've worked at, out with Villa and Arsenal not as much because I was in the academy, but Villa, the, the, the doctors and the physios are brilliant and you, ha you just have complete trust in them. And um, I think a skill that I've learned over the last um, couple of years is a, manage is a physio that cares, really. The one that you can have, that, that you just fully trust, do you know what I mean? Not someone that will, will uh, how, do you, how can I say it, about, like, without being rude, but someone that, that says they know everything, talks a lot, but then doesn't show it and you come back and you get injured and you come back and you get injured. Um, I think uh, a physio that actually puts proof in the pudding and gets you back fit and, and, that, and that's trustworthy, really, that you have a problem, you go speak to them straight away and, and that's it, really. Yeah, that's it's really, really, really positive to hear. Um, we uh, chatted to a, a cricketer, Alex Tudor, who said sort of similar. You, you, you sort of get the physios that use uh, you sort of medical jargon. They uh, sort of just treating the injury and, and they don't have that care there. And then you get the, the, the sort of other medical staff that will be there with you for medical appointments that will support you through things that will go that extra mile that extra step uh, to sort of get you to, to to where you need to be and where where you want to be um you mentioned that so, you know, sometimes you don't have that trust there in in it for, for, for some physios that maybe don't show that care have you ever sort of looked for sort of second opinions or or other opinions where where perhaps that trust hasn't been there yeah, I've I've seen so many people. It's ridiculous over my knee where I haven't really trusted anyone and um, I've been let down by people. That's the that's the hardest thing about it. Um, people that you expect to, that who you trust and who you rely on um, haven't come up with it. And I've gone and seen probably the best physio in England at some point, Andy Renshaw, who's head physio at Liverpool for 10, 15 years. Um, I went and see him and he said I'd be all right, and then he he's he's been brilliant with me, and he's he's taught me for everything, and I've gone to see him. I'm now using the guys that go perform in Reading, who who have have like over 10, 15 years in the Premier League experience, who are brilliant as well, and and they all just put you at ease. That's the I think the most important thing is obviously every player just wants to get back. They 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 don't really think about the the other sort of stuff. They just think I want to be back fit. I want to do this. I want to play. That's all they care about is playing, and that's what makes them happy. Um, and if you can't can't play, then you get a really unhappy footballer. So I think it's it's vital to be honest with the with the players. So obviously, to, honesty and that care are absolutely huge. On the sort of opposite side uh, to that, are there any major no nos for physios working in professional sports? Any absolute do not do this or anything to to avoid for our potential listeners? Um, I, I don't really know to be honest. I think, um, oh, any no nos. I think, I think when the players question, when the players asking you something, you have to, you have to do what they say. Um, because if you don't, then it, I know obviously medically 
But when the player asks you a question, I think you have to be completely honest with them because if you're not, then the player will go find out somewhere else. So honestly, for me, the best best policy you have to ask. Um, you have to sort of be honest with the players, and and if they've got a question about their injury and or about their time frame, um, then then I think honesty. Other than that, I wouldn't say. Um, a lot of players go to the physios for like a safe room to, to talk about the about sort of stuff that's going on and stuff like that. So I think having a relationship with the players is is massive. Um, but yeah, no, I can't think of any massive no-nos really, to be honest. It's, it's, it's a really tough question uh, to, be, to be put on the spot with there and, uh, and, and, a, and a great answer. Um, you, you, you sort of mentioned their sort of their sort of players questioning or sort of asking for sort of particular things. Do you, have you found that sort of as you've got a bit more experience, uh, you, you sort of gain confidence to sort of question things, or you sort of recognise where things might not be quite right, and and you, you sort of challenge it? Do you, do you feel a bit more confident to challenge physios <laughs> and medical things? I think I've been like at the end of the day, it's my career, so. If I don't think something's right, um, then I'll then I'll question it um, through experience. Um, yeah, I, I will definitely question it. If I if I've heard from someone else, then I'll question it. Like if if there's nothing, if there if there isn't anything to worry about, then then the physio shouldn't have any harm in answering my questions. I know it can be annoying, um, but players need reassurance, so um, I'll, I'm happy questioning physios and if I'm happy managers and physios questioning me, because I know if I'm doing everything right, then I've got nothing to worry about. I think that that's the, the, the key as well. It goes in both directions and it goes in all directions. And that sort of transparency, that honesty uh, has to be there in, in every aspect. Otherwise it, it, it just falls apart before it even starts. Um, so next question we're looking at uh, sort of almost dressing room environment physio first day on the job uh, elite sport they've come in what what advice would you have for that physio on their first day that's been perhaps thrown in the deep end that could perhaps help help our listeners who are looking to get their their first job I think just get a feel of the place before you go steaming in and um, being very confident and like talking alone and stuff like that. I think just listen to the environment that you're in. Footballers, there's a lot of banter that flies around in football. I think just go in, um, assess the sort of change room, the situation, people, be there to help. Um, and all, like, if anything, if a player needs anything, then but, but like volunteer yourself to help and say, can I help you with this? Can I help you with that? I think that's key. Um, but yeah, we've, I've had a few interns before who, who come in and are very lively and I think, cool, hang on a minute, because just calm down. There's, there's a physio here who's got 15 years experience and you're louder and, and jumping around more than him. Hang on a minute. It should be should be the other way around, if anything. So just maybe relax a bit. I think that's a, a, a really cracking point and I, hopefully the sort of listeners can take that on board because I think the common sort of conception is because of the sort of that that sort of environment you mentioned, there's often a bit of banter. It can be quite competitive. That a new physio might think they they have to match that. They have to go in. They have to be lively. They have to get involved. When actually the sort of impression that gives to everyone else is, as you say, you know, what what is this person doing? It it, it doesn't fit. It doesn't make the pattern work. So just take taking a step back from it all. 
immersing yourself in the environment, sort of getting your head around it a little bit before you uh, start to get a little bit more involved, offering your service, offering your help, like you say, but you don't have to match their intensity, despite what maybe the the, the, the sort of popular opinion might be for the people listening to the to the podcast. But um, yeah, I, I, really positive to hear his answers and some of them quite tricky as said to be thrown on the spot with um i'm gonna hand it back over to liam to sort of unpick a, a few more bits uh if that's all right with you yep crack on mate. yeah i thought i thought some excellent points in there like definitely the the honesty side of things and and the easing into that environment and especially at those sort of higher levels if you're working with senior teams you might have come through the academy it's it's i think we spoke to a physio in the first series that we recorded who said that your academy players are sort of a bit more malleable. You can you can talk to the players. You can sort of maybe influence a bit more. When you go into that first team, you've got pros that have been around for a little while. Like you say, you've probably got physios that have been there 15 years. And actually, it's, it's learning what works for them as well as you. And it's important to get your point across, but not in a way that is overstepping people with masses of experience so that you're not necessarily going to influence as quickly um there's there's ways to build that honesty and that trust like you said um i did just want to ask on the on the trust point you might get some physios that you obviously trusted and then you've had a few re-injuries do do re-injuries affect that or is it more about the relationship you had so has have there been a time where you've you've had a good relationship with a physio you've really trusted but you've had you've picked up another injury has that really damaged that relationship or is it more no, actually, I'm trusting the process. Sometimes this happens. Yeah, I think, like, for me, if now I'm at a point in my career where if I do all my rehab right, then I know it's nothing down to my my um, attitude. Um, and then ask a question the physio if they've done everything right and if they can hand on their heart. And you can tell, as a player, you can tell if, if from their answer whether they've done everything right by their by their body language and if if there's something off then 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 I was not trusting but if they're completely honest and when you go see a specialist and they tell the specialist exactly what's happened then and the specialist says blah 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 then it's not down to them then you can regain a bit of trust but I think where I was I've probably mistold well when on my second MCL I probably should have gone and had surgery mm. um, or a repair and uh, I got told to try and rehab it back through through a physio, and it obviously didn't work. Um, and then got recommended prolotherapy, um, and that didn't work either. So then, like that's two knockbacks, and I think, hang on a minute, why haven't I not had the surgery in the first place? So, um, to be honest, a lot of it is for me. I and it's quite bad, but I trust the more experienced people, and I'd r- rather to go to them at this minute in time in my career. But I feel. St- I feel kind of bad because everyone's got to get to that level of experience and, and learn. But I'm at a stage of my career, at a stage of my injury where I can't really risk risk being a being a project, if that makes sense. Like I need to I need to be yeah, yeah. I would prefer to be managed by someone who's treated these injuries whilst the 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 internal whatever was overwatching it, if that makes sense. Just for the for, for me, that's just how I'd feel on this one. Yeah, no, I I Completely agree. I think it's an important point for potentially our listeners as well at the level they, they're at coming straight into it to understand. And it's that, you know, there are a lot more experienced people out there. There are 
players that will have seen a lot of physios that will have their own sort of teams in the background um, that might not necessarily be involved in the club they're in. And it's it's understanding that. And I think understanding what you can still contribute, but then also seeing, okay, I might be better off going somewhere else here. Or if a player has that sort of feeling, it's not to get offended by it, because I think everyone will have that. It's showing, okay, well, I can offer you this, but yeah, 100%, you know what, you're right. It's that point in your career, you're further on, you're, it's quite a complication, something that I probably haven't seen before. Maybe I can learn through this process as well. I can chip in my little bits, but then yeah, there exactly. Can be there's no, there's no harm in in doing certain aspects of the rehab and and stuff like that. But when it gets a bit complicated, that's when I think you've got to let the the main person and then just learn from it. Like I was speaking to Luke at Go Perform. He's he's yeah. treated over five hundred uh, hamstring injuries, and he said all of them are different. Not every one of them is the same. So. Um, uh, a hamstring or an MCL, the set, the rehab probably strategy is probably roughly the same, but every yeah. person and every human is different, and every human gets different side effects. Or um, one player could be back in four and a half months, which I'm hearing that off an MCL reconstruction, and and I'm I'm getting told six to nine months. So everybody's different. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and just to give a shout to those guys, go perform as well. Um, <clears throat> being local to Reading and working at the club previously, knowing those guys, they are they are excellent. Um, definitely in definitely in good hands. And that message from them is is one that we would we would back up. No end. Every everyone is different. You might you might have seen a few before, but you definitely don't know it. Um, for those that are listening, coming into it. So, no, thanks for thanks for sharing that with us. Um, and taking on those questions. One of the last little ones we wanted to dive into, it's a little bit of a hot topic from yesterday. Um, I don't know if you saw the David Luiz and Raul Jimenez instance, yeah, um, yeah. just around around concussion. As a, as a player, there's there's a lot of debate on, on social media around the treatment of that. Obviously, it was right to scoot Jimenez off to hospital and manage, that was managed really well, it looked like, on the telly. David Luiz one, there's a little bit more debate around whether he should have been taken off straight away, whether it's not. You trust that that medical team at the time managed that to the best of their ability and you definitely wouldn't wouldn't question them from what you saw. As a player, what how does that sort of situation make you feel? And on the David Louise one, what are your sort of thoughts on on that and the management of an incident like that? I think for me, I when I broke my cheekbone, yeah, um, I got up and I was I was obviously treated, but I got up and I thought I thought felt all right. And and Russ, the physio, he said to me, "Look, um, let's go off the pitch." Get in, get go down the tunnel where there's no noise, and we'll we'll have a conversation about it, and we can I can really assess you. So I went, I got up, walked like sort of walked, felt fine, um, thought oh, I can carry on. Couldn't really really like move my cheek. Yeah. Like, oh, it must be it must it must be not that bad because I'm alright. And then I got to the to the tunnel, and uh, I felt a bit dizzy, and my head was pounding, um, and I said, "Can I come back on?" And then Russ looked at me and he said, look, mate, I put, it's, it's not worth it. Um, look, you've had a, a really bad head injury. I think you may have broken your cheekbone. Yeah. For the sake of playing an extra 45 minutes, your cheekbone has got a big hole in it. <laughs> so let's get you off. Um, let's assess you. And then um, let's go from there. And then obviously he took me off. So, so, so that's led. And I think that's the right thing to do. I think it's the physio's, physio's control. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely down to the physio. No, that definitely sounds very well managed in your case, obviously with the with the jaw put on top of the of the dizziness and the headache as well. I think it's the ones that can be a real difficult ones are the ones where 
you've, you've got your player like yourself, obviously you're always going to want to carry on. I think that's that's always the case. And it, like I say, it's get trusting that physio to make the right decision um, through all the sort of judgment. And I think that's a great advice for anyone out managing those. He's the physio there you've mentioned has taken the time to calm it all down, quiet it down, take it off to a little bit of an environment, give it a little bit of time, which obviously would have happened with the guys yesterday and then be able to make that decision, have a sensible chat with you. That's really good. Um, but I think, I think, yeah, there's just so much debate around the issue. One of the proposed um, answers was concussion subs, so giving players 10 minutes to come off and then yeah. make a, a better assessment sort of in the changing room, like you've just said, or in, in a quieter area. Do you think that that might be a, a way around it? So to give it 10 yeah, minutes, I think, give anything yeah, comes I think so. I think it's safer for the player. I think, obviously, we've all going on as well with dementia and the, yeah. The, yeah. everything. I think it's safer to reassess the... the um, safe to reassess the player after um, the injury and then go from there. I think there should be a little time break, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. No, fingers crossed uh, people start to make those sensible decisions, but you never you never know. I think everyone's on board with that other than the people that make the rules at the moment, players and physios alike. But it's really good to hear an example from your from your point of view. Um Cheers. I think uh, I think that's most of most of what we wanted to ask. There's some some really really good bits. Matt, is there anything else anything else from you there before we let Lewis crack on with his evening? No, like I say, Liam, it's, uh, we've got some really good uh, good insight there for our listeners, um, particularly that honesty, particularly that care, taking that extra bit of time, um, not throwing yourself uh, into the madness and just taking that step back before you immerse in. Um, I think some really useful take-home points. So, uh, yeah, huge thanks to, to Lewis for, for your time this evening. Uh, been really, no worries, really yeah, really appreciate that, Lewis. Well, um, cheers, mate. Thanks for having me anytime. Yeah, best of luck with the yeah, best of luck with the rehab. We'll be following that closely, and fingers crossed, all goes well, mate. In, in good hands with the guys that go perform as well. Cheers, mate. Thank you. All the best. Okay, so that rounds up another episode, another really good one with um, a current player. Really good to get the players' side of things again, Matt. What were your what were your main takeaways from that? Yeah, a cracking episode, like you say, and for for me, it's just sort of highlights similar themes uh, and brings it to the forefront from a different sport, uh, such as the, the sort of simple act of being kind and showing care as being fantastic traits. Uh, it was also highlighted by, by Alex Tudor uh, in a previous podcast and, and equally, again, just hearing that sort of... Uh, uh, repetition and, and again highlighting that uh, you don't have to come in and uh, feel like you're in the environment sort of taking a step back in this type of uh, elite sporting setting can uh, can sometimes be the the better approach to take so some really valuable points and good to sort of hear from a different sporting uh, sporting background yeah absolutely It'd be really great to get your feedback on this. Um, we'd love to hear from you on our social medias, um, obviously Instagram at ThrivePES, and that's the same on Twitter. Remember to always check out the website as well, www.thrivepes.co.uk. And we also have on the website at the moment some guest blogs, which we've released a fair few of in the recent months. Um, we're always looking for more guest blogs. Thanks to everyone who's done it so far. Um, they're all a bit nervous coming forward but I think they're glad that we've put them up so if you are feeling brave and have something you want to try and put out there to a wider audience please do get in touch with us Um, they've been really well received and it's something we've really enjoyed doing so definitely over this little Christmas break um, please do get in touch 
on that, we will be back in January. Um, we'll have a little break over Christmas and we'll be back with some more awesome guests. So we've got some some really good ones coming. We've got some more, more people in, obviously, sporting backgrounds. We've got some more people in university backgrounds, linking into more of a, a student-themed um, episode. So we've got some... Some good stuff coming next year. Hopefully, a better year for everyone. Um, Matt, thanks for thanks for all the work this year. It's been it's been a pleasure. It's been good fun. Hopefully, we put some good stuff out there. Uh, thank, thank you, Liam. Again, it's been uh, it's been really good, and definitely looking forward to to twenty twenty one. As you say, lots of exciting things uh, coming from Thrive, and uh, uh, I say very much looking forward to it myself as well. Yeah. So please do get in touch with any questions or any interests you have. And until next time. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.